okay, I get it. But God is not calling us just to live and breathe and die someday. But God is calling us to live an epic existence. He has got a huge dream for us. And so when we started last week, we were going through some of the different elements of stories. And one of the things we have to remember is that in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So what God has done is he has put in us a desire to know more about him, to grow in him. There's this longing that's at the core of who we are to really understand love. And you go, now wait a second, I'm, I'm a manly man. I don't know, that's not me. Well, somewhere inside you, you want to be loved. You want to know what it's like to have a loving relationship. You, you long somewhere in the core of who you are for adventure, for something more than just a mundane, humdrum experience. And God has placed that at the center of who we are. It's, it's God. But he's also created us in such a way that we're never going to fully understand all the mysteries of who God is and all the complexity of who he is and everything he wants for us. So there's going to be this, this constant hunger and thirst for more of God that we can never quite be satisfied. That is, as much as we grow in our relationship with God, as much as we discover about the character and nature of God, we're never going to get to the point where I go, aha, I got it. I'm good now. And if you think you've arrived there, please write a book. Uh, I would love to hear what you have to say. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter where we get to and grow in our faith, there's always more to learn and grow in the Lord. You know, um, God's version of once upon a time is in Genesis 1-1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this is the beginning of our story in a lot of, in a lot of ways. We talked last week in, in John 1-1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. That, that really, God's story for us, it predates Genesis. It goes way beyond that because God is bigger than time. So we have to understand that our story is an epic story with a huge beginning. Um, and I, I, love, I love big stories. I love epic movies. I love epic stories and books and things like that. They're, they're moving, aren't they? When you read or, or watch a compelling story, there's something about it that you just go, man, don't you feel better after you watch a movie that's an epic movie? And you're like, okay, I can hunt down some terrorists. Or, man, I can fall in love. Or I can, right? And the reason we have that feeling is because of the second element that we're going to talk about today. Last week we talked about lead characters, that every story has a, a lead character. And it can't just be a lead character, it has to, be, it has to be a lead character that's likable. If you don't like the lead character, you don't care what the, turn out, uh, what the story turns out to be. Uh, you might actually find yourself rooting against the lead character at times. Uh, but the lead character has to be likable. And a lot of stories, they spend a lot of time setting up that lead character and helping you understand who they are so that you can like them. So it's important to have a lead character, but it's not just that you have a lead character, because like I said last week, uh, the lead character or the hero of the story can be flawed in many, many, many different ways. They can have baggage and hurts and pains and addictions, and they can have some bad behavior, but the second that the lead character thinks that they are better than someone else, they become the villain of the story. It doesn't matter what story it is, you look at the story, and if the lead character thinks they're better than other people, they're not the lead character anymore. They're not the hero, they're the villain. So we begin with that premise that, that if we are all the lead characters of our, of our stories, that, that you have to understand in order to, to be a good, uh, a good character in your story, you have to look at people in a humble kind of way. 
You can't say, well, I'm better than them, I'm better than them. Maybe not quite as good as them, but I'm better, definitely better than them, right? You can't do that. Uh, scripture goes through that. He, scripture walks us through that. So we understand that lead characters have to be a certain way, but it's not enough for a lead character to be likable or humble in a story. A lead character has to have ambition. In any good story, a lead character has to want something. And think back through right now, all the stories you've ever liked in your life. The lead character has an ambition. They're trying to do something or accomplish something or reach a goal or get something, attain something, whatever it might be. And it has to matter. Now, let me say that again. The ambition of the lead character has to matter. It has to have consequences to it. It has to have repercussions beyond the mundane. Uh, let, me, let me tell you this if I can. I, I alluded to this last week. <clears throat> In a world where one man's car has broken down, he alone is looking for a new Volvo. He doesn't want any Volvo, but he wants the four-door with the cup holders in the back and the DVD players in the headrest. Will he get the Volvo? Doesn't that sound like a movie you want to see? Aren't you ready to leave here right now and go watch that movie? No, of course not. Do you know what happens if he doesn't get the Volvo? He's going to get another car. He's going to go buy a Ford. He's going to get a used Volvo. He's going to figure something out. There are no consequences associated with this. His ambition is not very big. Therefore, we don't care if he reaches his ambition. Does that make sense? And God has placed it in us to have big ambitions. And some of you are right now thinking, that's fantastic. I'm a businessman. I've got big ambitions. I've got big dreams and big goals. We'll get there in just a second. But look at any, any movie, any story you want. Um, Star Wars. I'm a guy. Star Wars. Okay? A child of the 80s and 70s, and I, I like Star Wars. Luke, he had an ambition. He had this moment where Obi-Wan says, you are to come with me if you are learn the ways of the Force and go with me to Alderaan. And he had this point in his life where he had to make this decision. Okay, am I going to be ambitious and, and fall into this story or step into this story that's unfolding before me? Or am I going to play it safe? Am I going to stay home here in, in the back country, in the armpit of the universe, and stay here and just live my life? He was invited into something else that was much, much bigger than him. He, and he had to choose, am I going to live an ambitious life or am I going to live the safe life? Um, Lord of the Rings. Uh, I love the Lord of the Rings. I have a friend who is not very tall, and he always say, can, can, says that he is an extra for The Hobbit. And, you know, because he, he's short, and he says he's got hairy feet. He doesn't really have hairy feet. His wife would make him trim that, but still. <laughs> but I love the story because it's about this seemingly unheroic character, and he becomes the hero of the story. And he has a choice to make. Am I going to be the one to destroy this ring of power and save the world, or am I going to live my safe existence and stay in the Shire with my friends and family, where I know what's expected, where I know what can happen? It might be for you, this is a shout out for my wife, Elizabeth Bennett. Is she going to fall in love with Mr. Darcy? Is she going to share who she really is? Is she going... She, she could, this is for the ladies now, don't give up on me. This is Pride and Prejudice, okay? I had to dig deep for this one. What is the point? Well, you go, well, there's no ramifications. Absolutely. She could lit, choose to live a, a sheltered life and be a, 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 a widow, I'm mean, not a widow, a, a spinster her whole life and be bitter and angry. And I'm just kidding. If you're in like that, it's not you. But she could have chosen to live the safe life and not worry. Or she could choose to risk her feelings and her emotions 
and have a relationship. Now, our lives are filled with these kind of decisions. Am I going to choose the risky thing or am I going to choose the safe thing? And many times when God begins to unfold a plan before us, his ambitious plan for us is risky. There is risk involved and it is dangerous. God wants us to want more than just having a Volvo in life. God's got bigger plans for us than that if we will step into his plans for us. And if you look throughout Scripture, there are people throughout Scripture who had big, ambitious dreams for their lives. And they didn't come up with them on their own. God let these plans unfold before them. Abraham heard from God, and God said, Go to a land that I have yet, yet to show you. Go walk, and we're going to see where this leads us. And this is the payoff, Abraham. If you do it, you're going to be the father of many nations. And this is going to be a heritage for your children and your children and their, their children and the great-grandchildren and on down the line. And I'm going to make you a nation. So the ramifications aren't just if you don't do it, well, then I guess you won't have as much property. The ramifications are your ancestors will be impacted by the decision you're making, Abraham. Moses, he heard from God. God spoke to him in a burning bush. Now, in Oklahoma, bushes will spontaneously combust. It gets so hot. I don't think it gets, uh, it gets dry enough here for bushes to spontaneously combust. But it's not uncommon to see something burning in Oklahoma. But here, the bush was burning. It spoke to Abraham. And God spoke through it and said, hey, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses was like, whoa, 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 wait a second. This is risky. God said, yes, it is, but it's ambitious. Now go. He said, all right, you got it. See, Moses' ambition impacted much more than him and his family. It impacted a nation of people. He could have chosen not to go, but we would not be reading his story today. It would not have been an epic story, but he chose to engage in the ambitious plan that God had for him. The book of Judges is filled with people like this. Ehud in Judges chapter 3, he, he was minding those, his own business, and the angel of the Lord said, hey, you get to set my people free. All right. So he got on it, and he went and he killed uh, the Eglon, the king of Moab, he, he, he killed him so that the people of Israel could be set free? There were ramifications to that. Don't you think that was ambitious? It was an assassination. That's big time. I'm not justifying anything. Don't get any ideas, people. You're like, hmm, okay. I got some things in my... Nope, that's not what I'm saying today. You'll be on the watch list. You don't want that, okay? Gideon. He went up against at least 100,000 Midianites and Amalekites, and he had 300 guys. That's ambitious. That's a God plan. That's not a plan we come up with on our own. You look in the New Testament, Paul went all over the Roman Empire planting churches. Well, what if he hadn't planted churches? What's the big deal? We see the, the heritage from what Paul did 2,000 years ago echoing even today. The things he did had ramifications even today for people in these places. He could have chosen not to go. He could have chosen to play it safe, but he didn't. He stepped into God's ambitious dream for his life, and he pursued that. Now, God's not done doing that. He still does that today. I've got a good friend. A few years ago, his wife passed away, and, and his, his wife and my wife were best friends. They were roommates in college, and she passed away suddenly. She had a seizure. She um, had a seizure in her sleep. She never came out of the coma, and she passed away. She was young. She was our age. Three small children, and all of a sudden, my friend Guy is a widow, and he's got three young girls to raise. And he could have said, you know what, I'm going to play it safe. I'm just going to bring the kids, and I'm going to hold up, and just maybe everything will just work out. I don't know how this is going to work out. But what he did is he began to open up his life, and he grieved, and he mourned, and he 
was walking through that loss, but he began began to write and journal everything that he was dealing with. And today, I think his book has just been released, and we're going to have a copy, uh, copies of it in our bookstore. But he, he decided, God, I'm going to take the story that I'm walking through, and I'm going to use your ambitious plan. I'm going to help other people with it. And I'm going to write my story to help somebody else who's dealing with grief and pain and loss and hurt and tragedy, who they don't know how they're going to make it. I'm going to write my story and help them see how they're going to make it. Most of us don't think, man, I'm having a bad day. Let me go write a book. But God decided, I'm going to step into God's ambitious plan for my life, and I'm going to see where this takes me. Uh, Chelsea France. I, hi, Chelsea. I love this girl. She's awesome. Um, you might not know her just by sitting here in our church, but she runs Life Choices as a, as a crisis pregnancy center. Um, we got one here in Indiana. They got one in Catanning. Where's the other one? Butler, thank you. So they've got three crisis pregnancy shelter, or crisis pregnancy centers, and they do an incredible work. Um, one of the things they do is they help ladies who are struggling whether they should abort their unborn baby or not, and they help them walk through that process. They save babies. They, they literally are saving babies who are set to die. They help rescue these children. But you know what? That's not all. They're about to start a, uh, this ambitious plan to have a maternity home. Why, why would they do that? Isn't it enough to do this? No, it's not because God has put an ambitious plan in her heart. And she said, God, I don't want to just live a normal life. I want to do something that matters. I want to do something that has impact and ramifications. God doesn't want us just to live a safe life. He wants us to say, God, I want to do something that matters with my life. See, what if, uh, let me, it was funny, when Todd was here a couple weeks ago with us, uh, Todd Stanley, if, if you missed last week, I announced last week that Todd Stanley is coming on staff with us. He was our guest worship leader on Memorial Day weekend, um, but he's coming on staff with us in just a few weeks, and if you prayed for his, uh, their house to sell, it sold miraculously, and like one day they didn't even put it on the market. God answered prayers, and she's got a job, and you know, interviewed over the phone, and God's just laying everything out. But while Todd was here with us, uh, we were sitting with a big group of people, and he asked this question. He said, if the Summit Church disappeared today, if it just vanished into thin air, how would the community be impacted? How? Like, that's heavy, you know? That's not a, well, where do you see yourself in five years kind of interview question. But he asked us that question, and I thought, holy cow, what would the community, what would it do? Would it impact community? Absolutely. But my hope and my dream is that a year from now or two years or five years from now, we're going to be able to say this community would not even look the same if this church disappeared. So I'm going to pose a question for you. If you didn't accomplish the dream and vision that God has put in your heart, if the ambition that you have in your heart wasn't fulfilled, who would be impacted by that? Because for, for Chelsea, it's easy. There's hundreds of people that have been impacted by her decision to say, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to take on an ambitious dream. I'm going to do something that normal people aren't doing. It impacts families. It impacts lives. There would be a noticeable difference if she wasn't doing what she's doing. Who would be impacted if you don't accomplish the ambitious dream that God has laid before you? What's going to happen if you don't get that Volvo? Because that's the way a lot of us live our lives. I'm just going to try to make it to heaven. I'm just going to try to be the best person I can, and we'll see what happens. But God has more for you than just getting to heaven. He wants you to live a life of impact. Like girls, 
it's crazy. They, <laughs> Abby is 11. She feels like she has a call to, to missions. She's 11. I don't want that. I want her to stay with me and live with me until she's 50. And I don't want her to get married. I want her to stay at home. I'm her daddy. I want her to always think. I want to marry my daddy, right? I want her to, I want that. But the truth is, we want to stir up those gifts and dreams. I want her to have an ambitious dream for her life. So when she says, Daddy, I want to be a missionary, it's my, it's my responsibility to say, we're going to help you get there. If that's what God's put in your life, I'm going to create an environment to help you get to that place. Emma is eight, <laughs> and she bawled when school was out. I don't know where she gets that from. Cry baby. Um, <laughs> but she, she's been telling me, Daddy, I want to I help kids. I want to help kids in other countries. Well, what do you want to do, baby? I don't know, but I want to help kids in other countries. So this last weekend, we went and saw the movie Million Dollar Arm. Um, the wife and family and I, we went and saw it, family date. And we went, and while we were sitting in the movie, um, the, this guy goes over to India to discover the next great pitcher for Major League Baseball. And so he goes to India, and it shows just, you know, villages and cities, and you see terrible living conditions. And it doesn't go into great detail, but Emma leans over to me in that movie, and she said, Daddy, I want to help kids in India. I could not have been prouder at that point because I thought, here's this little girl. She's eight years old. She has no uh, marketable skills other than she's really cute and she likes to dance, make up songs spontaneously. And she says, I want to help them. So literally, we were in the car ride home and she said, Daddy, I think I can start making rubber band bracelets. I can start drawing pictures and selling pictures. We're going to set up a lemonade stand. It's like, come on, right? Come on. Any rational person say, you're never going to raise enough capital with a lemonade stand. But what has she said? She said, Daddy, I want to help somebody. So my job is to say, how can we do that? How can we figure out the way that my eight-year-old daughter can step into this ambitious plan to help kids in India? You might be sitting here today thinking, uh, that's great, Mel. You're a pastor, and she's your daughter, and... I how does that impact me? Because that's great, but here we are. But God's ambitious plan for you is just a step away. It's just you saying, God, what do you want for me? What do you want for me? Um, I love, in, in that movie we watched, uh, you have these two Indian kids that came to the United States to, to try out for a Major League Baseball team. And one of them, well, they were both signed by the Pirates, and one of them is still playing in the Pirate system today. Um, but in the movie, there's this line, and this kid said, I would have never dreamed that this was even a possibility. Because the truth is, they didn't even know anything about baseball. And my, my hope is that this week, as we begin to pray, and as you pray in your personal time, God will begin to help you see something that you didn't even dream was a possibility for your life. That, that God's not just going to take your life and do something with it, but God is going to unfold something before you that you didn't even dream possible. I really believe, um, I guess it was two weeks ago, we had a missionary here with us, and I really believe that, that as we bring more missionaries in and let them uh, speak to you and let you hear their heart, as we bring more church planners in and you hear their heart, I truly believe there are going to be people in this room that, that God begins to spark something in you that you recognize the fact that God is calling you to go on the foreign mission field. You're like, whoa, whoa, and that's not me, Mel. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, Right? I truly believe it.
I truly believe that there are some of you in this room that God's going to begin to stir up a passion and a heart for lost people. And there's going to be a spark in you that says, I need to go help start a church somewhere. I need to I need to step out from my safe, secure, normal life into something else. Now, this is the thing. Um, If God isn't calling you to that, that's okay. Because for you, maybe God's ambitious dream and plan for your life is to raise your family. That's okay. There's no condemnation at all. I'm not saying you have to leave everything and move to Cambodia. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is you have to do what God is calling you to do. And some of us just float through life without it really asking, God, what do you have for me? You know, um, I said earlier that, that risk is always associated with ambitious dreams and goals. Well, this is what Donald Miller said. He's an author, Christian writer. He said, the best way to get rid of fear in your life, are you ready, is to not want anything. If you don't have any ambition in your life, you're going to get rid of fear. If you don't want anything for your children, if you don't want anything for your family, if you don't want anything for your career, if you don't want anything for the kingdom, You will be fear-free. But when you begin to say, God, I want what you want for my life, there's going to be dangers associated with that. There's going to be risk associated with that. Um, It's dangerous for my daughter to go overseas, in my mind, because I'm her father. But in God's story, there is no risk associated with that because she's doing what God wants her to do. There's a passage in Matthew chapter 28. It's probably one you've read before. This is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus, uh, this is what happens with Jesus as he is taken into the heavens. In verse 16, it says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Isn't that interesting? The group of disciples, the group of followers of Jesus, they're literally watching Jesus ascend into heaven, and some of them still doubt. I mean, really, it doesn't matter what Jesus does in some people's lives, they're still going to doubt. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, did you get that? Jesus says, I'm coming to you not just as Jesus, but all the authority that God has, he has given to me. And this is what he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He said, now with the authority that God has given me, this is what I'm telling you you need to do. Go and make disciples. And the word go there, it's, it's in the passive tense. So what it's saying is um, not you need to leave here right now and go move to Asia, move to Africa, move to. What he's saying is as you go. So as you go to the grocery store, as you go to Giant Eagle today, as you go um, to your house, as you go by, I almost said 7-Eleven, but we don't like 7-Eleven. As you go to Sheets, as you go to wherever you go, Make disciples. That means in our everyday life, as you go to work, you are in the business of making disciples. What he's saying is our grand ambition is not to accumulate more, to get more, to have more. Our grand ambition in life is to make disciples. Now, you might be sitting here and you say, Mel, my grand ambition in life is to be a millionaire by the time I'm X age. I want to be able to retire by the time I'm 45. I want, this is my ambition. That's okay you know what? You can take your ambition and redeem it if you'll submit it to God. If you'll say, God, I want you to take my dreams, marry them with your dreams, and let's see what happens. God can do that. Because what if, what if you are a gifted business person? 
What if you are gifted at raising money and God has spoken to you and said, you know what, I want you to take that gifting and marry it with my calling on your life for a greater ambition, something bigger than you, something that really matters, and let's raise funds for this missionary. Let's raise funds for a crisis pregnancy shelter. Let's raise funds for something that's redemptive instead of just saying, I'm going to retire. I'm going to sit on a big pile of cash someday. Is there anything wrong with having money? Absolutely not. Is there anything wrong with having things? Absolutely not. But if that is the grand ambition of our life, we have missed the boat. That's not what God wants for us, just to accumulate more and get more and have more. What we have to understand is this, uh, this ambition of raising up disciples matters. It has consequence. If we don't do it, people will literally die and go to hell. Why, why does it matter for you to reach your neighbor? Because you don't know what tomorrow holds. It matters. We have to be focused on doing the things that matter. Not just for us as individuals, but for us corporately too. We have to be about the business of doing things that matter, that have consequence, being ambitious about the right things. Uh, on Friday, uh, I did a, a memorial service for a, a guy that was a part of our church. His name is Bo Harshine. Some of you probably know Bo. I think he knew every human being in our town, it felt like. Um, Hundreds, literally over 500 people showed up for the viewing on Thursday. It was lines out the door. It was amazing. And one of the things I kept hearing over and over and over from different people, and, and I didn't know Bo well. I met him when I came here. He started coming to the summit right after I got here, and he was a 60-year-old man. He was a big man. <laughs> he was a big guy. He lifted weights, but his shoulders were about that wide, and he was about 6'4 or 5. He was just a, there's not very many people that I walk up to him, and I feel like, whoa, this is a big guy. He was a big guy. I shook his hand and his like, bear claw like swallowed my hand up and I just felt like a little guy next to him. So we talked and got to know each other. And I didn't know Bo from anybody, but we spent some time together. He came by the office a few times and we visited and I just got to know his heart and where he was at. And he was seeking, he was seeking the Lord. And I got to pray with him and, and lead him to Jesus. And we just built this little bit of a relationship. Well, he passed away this last week. And so when I was going through and visiting with the family, over and over and over, I heard family members say, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy that, that Uncle Bo came to know Jesus before he passed away. I'm so thankful that, that Bo got into church before he passed away. I'm so thankful that he made this change in his life before he passed away. Now, this has nothing to do with me and has everything to do with this church. It has everything to do with us being a place that are going to welcome people in no matter what their background is. Because I'm telling you, after that funeral service yesterday, I had people that said, I'm shocked that there was a pastor to come do Bo's funeral because Bo lived like a hellion. And I said, that's okay. He died as a saint. <laughs> he, was he perfect? Absolutely not. But at the end of his life, he made a decision to follow Christ. We had an environment here that he felt comfortable coming to. He made a decision. He's following, he followed Jesus. He passed away. He's in heaven today. Why did that happen? Why? Because we're willing to be a little bit uncomfortable. We're willing to do some things that maybe we're not normally used to doing because we invited Bo into our story. Bo Harshine is worth it because there are people in this room that are just like Bo Harshine that, that maybe you've been raised in a Catholic or a Presbyterian or Episcopal or whatever the background might be and you're not used to church like this. And you're saying, this is different. There's something weird about this place. That's okay because Jesus is still here and Jesus wants to minister to you.
You can find acceptance. You can find love here. And that's why we do it, so that people can come to know Jesus, so that people can grow in their walk with him. And those are the things that matter. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that, should all, that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved in the earth, and the works that are done on it will be exposed. This is what it's saying. It's saying, you know what, you're waiting for God to come, for Jesus to come back. You're waiting for the Messiah. Um, someday, everything we think is valuable, important, all the stuff we accumulate, the Volvos, the car, the house, all those things that we think is so important is going to fade away, and all that is going to remain are the people we reached for Jesus Christ, the people that we connected with, the people that we discipled, the people that we grew. So we can focus on the wrong things or we can have the right ambitions that God wants for us to have. God's inviting you to step into his ambitious plan for your life. He's got something bigger for you than you can ever imagine. The question is, will you ask him, Father, reveal that to me. Let me see that and then let me have the boldness to step into whatever it is you have for me. Because that's what he wants for your life. If you'll trust him and if you'll allow him, to unfold that before you and step into that. Let's pray. Lord, I love you so much, and I'm so thankful that your plan for us is bigger than just survival. And Scott, I'm asking today that you would just reveal that plan to us. Help us see what it is, and give us the boldness to step into that.